You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. As we publish this podcast, we are in the final week of the fiscal year, and I have no doubt that many of you are working hard to get in as many gifts recorded as possible to finish the year strong. Remember, a good prayer life doesn't hurt during this time of year. For those of you who are working in Catholic philanthropy or stewardship, it's important for us to look for opportunities to tie in Scripture to the message of giving. As we come off this weekend's Gospel, we're reminded of the story when Jesus feeds the 5,000, and all he had to start with was five loaves and two fishes. Jesus told his disciples to go and feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. I'm just picturing the disciples. They must have had a moment when they're just looking at each other. But as the story goes, and we know the end of the process, he feeds 5,000 people, and at the end, he has 12 baskets overflowing. Overflowing. How did this happen? Well, this isn't a story about a magic trick. It's about stewardship and leadership. The disciples began with a mindset that the basket is half empty. But Jesus pushed them into finding a way to feed the 5,000. He sent them out with the gospel and a compelling case for support to articulate the need. These people were hungry, and some of the families had food to share, and some of them didn't want to share. I can imagine that if you had something to share in a crowd like that back then, you might be afraid to show it. You know, you might, you might be afraid of losing what you had. But they were moved by the gospel and the teachings of Jesus and the disciples who were instruments of that gospel. I'm sure many of you have sat in your office with the equivalent to five loaves and two fishes and were asked to raise a million dollars or something significant. And you probably looked at your boss or your board of directors with that sick feeling in your stomach thinking, now what? How do I do this? You know, as fundraisers, we sometimes get a bad rap. We're thought of as the money people. But our job really isn't about money, is it? It's about mission. Jesus and his disciples had a very clear and articulate mission, and they moved 5,000 people beyond their fear of losing what they had to a place of generosity. I invite you to reflect on this gospel, because I think there's a lot there that we can learn from as fundraisers, as stewardship folks. It's about leadership. It's about mission and stepping out of your comfort zone. We do that not because someone else is Catholic, but because we are Catholic. And now you're going to hear more about that today from my friends in the Diocese of Allentown. Now, let's get to work. This week, we travel to the Diocese of Allentown in Pennsylvania, and we visit with the team at Colby Academy in Bethlehem. Colby Academy will open its doors this fall as the nation's first faith-based high school for students suffering from addictions. Their vision is simple and yet very powerful, to transform and restore the lives of students in recovery so that they may fulfill God's plan for their lives. I'm joined by Dr. Brooke Tesh, the Chancellor of Catholic Education in the Diocese of Allentown, and John Petrozelli, who is the new principal for Colby Academy. Here's our conversation. Well, welcome, Brooke. John, great to have you here on the podcast. I'm here with Dr. Brooke Tesh, who is the Chancellor for Catholic Education in the Diocese of Allentown, and John Petrozelli, who is the principal of the new Colby Academy here in the Diocese of Allentown. Welcome, guys. Hi. 
Thanks, Jim. Good to be here. Great to have you here. So, uh, Brooke, you've been with the diocese for a few years, and you're relatively new in this position. Can you tell me a little bit about what what does a chancellor for Catholic education do in the diocese? Well, I'm trying to figure that out. (laughs) I will be completely upfront with you. Sure. Um, I have been here for seven years. It was seven years in February, and that's actually when I was appointed to chancellor. Mm -hmm. Um, So, it's been um, a really wonderful experience to be here, a part of Catholic education. Um, I've had a, a few different roles here. So this is uh, definitely the most challenging and most rewarding. Uh, the chancellor really oversees the whole system um, from the curriculum instruction assessment, as well as the business components that really make sure our schools are viable. That's fantastic. And John, you're coming back to the Diocese of Allentown for a short stint in Philadelphia. How's it feel to be back? And- oh, it's great. Great to be home. I'm a Philly boy, but after uh, my first couple of years here in, in the Valley, I became a Valley boy, so it's good to be home. I'm the same way, yeah, from Philadelphia, but come here uh, 11 years now for us, so it's exciting. And how? tell us a little bit about you know, the state of Catholic education here in the diocese. How are our schools doing? Our schools are doing really well. Um, we continue to have very strong matriculation rates for our kids graduating and going on to college, so a lot of success academically. Our, our spiritual program is thriving. Uh, you know, I think we're not unique, though, uh, nationally in looking at enrollment challenges um, throughout our system, but we're holding steady right now, which is really positive. Uh, So it's exciting to also have the opportunity to do something innovative like Colby Academy as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit about how this got started. Brooke, I know this was your brainchild. Tell us tell us a little bit about that story. Sure. So uh, prior to being in the diocese, I worked in public education. And uh, my role in the public school system was special education was my background and passion. So I used to oversee special education programs as their director. And a lot of the responsibility was to find appropriate programming for students. And what I experienced is nine times out of 10, when there was emotional and behavioral issues at the high school level, uh, there were substance abuse um, issues also going on with that. And some of the programs that were available really were subpar academically and did not have um, addiction and recovery supports at all. So it was really lacking. And it was something that really concerned me in um, having to place students elsewhere but knowing they weren't going to really get what they needed. Um, So it it just something that kind of stuck with me as a a concern and an issue, and I wanted a solution. So simultaneously, um, when I really was recognizing this, I was approached by another recovery school that's in Philadelphia, actually, that was opening, kind of like what we're doing, um, but this was back in 2008, and I thought this was a great concept. So I, I went and learned about the recovery high school model with intensive recovery supports and what that could look like, and it really inspired me to do some more research. And I found out at that time there were about 50 recovery schools nationally um, that existed. So this was not a new concept, um, but not something that we had here in the Lehigh Valley. Um, So it it really was inspiring to me. And I kind of took it and continued to do some research. But for me, there was something missing. And I wasn't sure what exactly it was at the time. Um, But I do believe that was God's hand in in leading me not only here to the diocese, but to to help understand the spiritual aspect um, that is really necessary in a recovery 
high school model. Um, so coming into the Catholic school system, I learned about that, experienced that, and simultaneously learned how valuable and necessary it is for long-term recovery. Um, so addicts that achieve long-term recovery, which is considered 10 years or more, attribute that to their, their spiritual journey. Um, and so for me, that just made sense. The spiritual aspect, strong academics, which what is what we have and um, recovery support. So put that together, started to get involved in the community, um, approached um, at the time we had an administrator, not a bishop, because we were in between bishops and said, this is some of the community work we're doing. And I'm just making sure there's no conflict of interest with our value structure. He was super excited and said, this is great. We should open one. Um, so kind of gave me permission to continue to do the research here locally. He said, put a business plan together, talk to the Board of Ed, um, got support from our board, um, put a business plan together, and then we got a steering committee together, which is actually where John got involved. And we've made it come to life. So it's been a really wonderful experience. Oh, that's fantastic. And and I would imagine, uh, John, you know, your excitement of going, coming into back to the Lehigh Valley and getting involved with this project. I mean, you came in as a volunteer and now you're going to lead this school. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's really incredible. You know, Brooke talked about, you know, the hand of God, and I think that's really what it is. I remember uh, four years ago when I was still principal here in the Valley at Bethlehem Catholic, uh, Brooke was on a, a panel discussion uh, after a, a documentary about a recovery high school, and she invited all of us from the diocese to go. And I, I remember watching that movie, uh, Generation Found, about Archway Academy, the recovery high school in Houston, and walking out with a colleague and saying, that is really cool. I would love to do something like that. Never in my wildest dreams thinking that, you know, four years later, here I am doing it. And, you know, um, I started initially with the committee. I left for a year. And then as things really started to gear up, Brooke invited me back to be on the committee. And um, I think she was thinking other things other than the committee, which was fine for me now. Um, now and, again, God's plan. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> and, you know, you, you get in there and it's hard not to be excited. It's hard not to see the passion that other people have and to know that we really are saving lives with what we're doing. And, you know, when the opportunity arose to be principal and, you know, um, you know, it was just such an easy decision to say yes, and I feel really blessed to not only be in the Valley, but to be working with Brooke and, and, and the diocese again, and uh, incredible leadership with my uh, Bishop Schlert, not much senior Schlert anymore, yeah. but sure. you know, to, to have his faith in me to, to lead such a special project. It's, um, you know, really humbling, but, you know, just so exciting. Yeah. And, um, and when you look at, you know, addictions like here in Pennsylvania and in the Lehigh Valley, how, do you have a sense of how we compare with other parts of the country? And sure. So definitely. And, and that's one of the reasons that this is a response to the need in the community. So Pennsylvania is the fourth highest in its overdose rates hmm. uh, nationally. So there's clearly a need. Um, there's, there's a pocket of um, overdose between New York, Philadelphia, and right here in the Lehigh Valley. And, and we're a conduit between New York City and Philadelphia. Philadelphia, so it really leaves us quite vulnerable. Definitely, we are high on that list nationally. Um, no pun intended there. You know, so it's a response. So not only, you know, with adults um, here, but it's the adolescents. And that's really the struggle and, and quite frightening. In starting to do the local research that we did, 
the school is going to be located between two counties, Northampton County and Lehigh County. So in digging into that and talking to the counties, each county itself is doing about a thousand drug and alcohol assessments for kids ages 12 to 17 annually. Mm. And out of those 2000 kids, um, at least 90% of them are being referred for further um, substance abuse support. So, and that's only the kids that we know, only the kids that are going for those assessments. So um, there's definitely a need and our schools struggle, um, not just Catholic schools, but our public schools struggle with how to meet these needs for students because none of them have recovery supports within their school system. It's just not something that they do. Yet that is where the kids get their drugs. So it's really this dichotomy that we're dealing with um, in education and we know we need to respond to it because if we can get the kids to support earlier, then we decrease their chances of overdosing when they're in their 20s and 30s. And that's where we're seeing the um, really high rates. Sure. And so what would happen, you know, now there's no recovery high school here in the Lehigh Valley. What where where what would a family do if they had a child who was suffering from an addiction? Well, they're they're really isolated. Um yeah. if if lucky enough, they can afford to send their kids inpatient and inpatient only exists in Warnersville uh through the Karen Foundation, but it's really expensive. So it only takes um certain insurance. So that really narrows the gap of who can get those services or they're sending their kids out to Pittsburgh um for intensive inpatient. So we're really limited in the support services. Maybe they're getting counseling through a private counselor or some of our providers, but it's really isolated. So it's not ongoing. So it's a, a, an hour here, an hour there. So the depth of recovery is really a lifestyle and they're not getting it. And that's why we continue to see such high rates of overdose as they grow because they're not getting the right supports when they're younger. And their chances of recovery are much greater because the students that would attend a high school like this, the data supports that. Yes, absolutely. And, and John can talk a little bit more about that too. But the, the data shows that when students leave um, an inpatient or any form of intensive treatment and come into a recovery high school, their rates of success go to over 85%. Wow. Versus if they go back into the same environment, it's less than 24%. So it's critical. Absolutely. It's a critical need. Wow. And uh, I would imagine uh, when you once you announce this, uh, how has been uh, the support and you know how has the community embraced this idea of a, of a recovery high school faith-based? Tremendous support. You know, I think... So many people now are touched by addiction, whether it's within their direct family or a neighbor or a friend or somebody at work, that they realize that this is really, some, it's not somebody else's issue like I think for so long it was. And I think we're breaking down the stigma of saying, you know, this is a disease. So because of that, I think people are really coming out and saying, this is a great idea. We want to support this. We want to be involved. The number of people that have signed up to be volunteers that are following us on social media that are on our mailing list that come to events and come up to us. Um, I was at an event this morning, tremendous excitement within the room. It's a recovery event and tremendous excitement in the room. So many people saying, oh my gosh, I want to know more. I saw your billboard. Tell us what you're doing. Where are you located? How can we get involved? How do we refer students? Uh, it, it's been amazing. That's fantastic. And how, how's enrollment? Do you feel, uh, has, are they, have you begun enrollment, I guess is the question. Yeah. So enrollment is open. We don't have any students yeah. enrolled yet. Sure. Um, we're I think we're a little anxious, but yeah. what our our colleagues at other recovery high schools have told us is mm -hmm. that enrollment typically comes in the summer. I think there's a lot of 
a lot of factors playing into that. One, we're brand new. I think people are still trying to figure out what we are and who we are. Sure. Some people don't even know about us yet. Uh, other people, I think, are like, we're going to wait and see what happens. And are they really going to open? We're really going to open, by the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is happening. But, you know, summer is a long time. And summer is yeah. a lot of downtime for students. And, mm. you know, right now, our policy is that you have to be 30 days clean. So you have to be in some kind of treatment, whether it's inpatient or intensive outpatient, um, and, and families might not be there with, with their student. And it's the end of the school year. They're trying to get those students that maybe need our help to get through and finish the year. So I think we'll have a lot of opportunity to continue to talk to people this summer. Plus, we're not in our building, so we haven't been able to hold an open house yet. That'll right. happen in August. So I think all of these factors are playing in. But, you know, as we say all the time, we're opening on August 26th, hmm. whether we have a student or 10 students or 20 students. So, yeah. um, and then we anticipate during the course of the year, people coming to us as well. So we need to be ready uh, no matter what, because we do anticipate students. So what does that initial uh, intake assessment look like? A family comes to you and they, they think that they could benefit, their child could benefit from your school. How does that look? So it's actually a two-part uh, process. When we sit down with a family, that you know, the Jones family comes to us with their son, we're going to do um, uh, an admissions interview and a, a, a a recovery plan. So we will sit down from the school side, look at look at curriculum, look at credits and grades and things like that. And because we're going to be small, we're going to be able to put together a, a, an individual education plan for each student. We're going to decide what courses they need to take, what online classes they're going to need to take. Do they need to do summer school? Do they need um, any special ed services? Because we will provide that in the school as well. And then our partner, um, Mid-Atlantic Rehabilitation Services, MARS for short, they're right here in Bethlehem. They'll then do... Um, with Lehigh Valley Intake, the intake, uh, we'll do an initial drug screening. We'll we'll see are they in counseling already, where they're coming from, what kind of um, what kind of inpatient or outpatient services they've had, and then they'll put together a recovery plan as well. So they'll have two plans going in, and and either of those plans can change during the course of the year. So we'll um, we'll assess. Both of those pieces will make sure that there's both student and family support um, because, you know, if you don't have that, you know, you're kind of fighting up, upstream there. And, and then we'll, we'll begin the enrollment and mm -hmm. get them ready. That's terrific. And you mentioned family support. I would think that that's got to be a even more critical part of the whole recovery process. So there'll be parts of the day or even, I guess, throughout the year where families kind of interact with the students or are you kind of working that through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Brooke can share a little bit about this as well. There will be a counseling, a family counseling piece to the enrollment. Oh, so great. families have to commit to that mm -hmm. because addiction doesn't just affect the student, it affects the entire family. And oftentimes, certainly, you know, what we've seen and, and I think the research shows is that um, not only is the family in crisis, but a lot of times there's other family members, maybe even a parent uh, in addiction. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the family supports are critical and really what make the difference. So it's really difficult to get families engaged, period, in an educational environment. And so in this case, um, it actually is going to be required. So if they don't agree to it, then we might not be the right placement. We'll always be welcoming and open when they are ready, but that is a, a, a component that has to happen in order for them to heal. Um, there's a lot of codependency. There's a lot of um, different behaviors that happen within the family structure when there's a addiction. Uh, 
present and we have to help them peel back those layers so that they can each heal and recover because life's going to be different uh, moving forward. And that's going to be really scary um, for some of the families. So we want to make sure they have the right supports. And, and as John mentioned, you know, depending on what the family's needs are, part of what Mars will do is connect them with the right resources. So they will have the counseling component that'll be required for us, but we may also be able to help connect them with other community resources as well. And possibly identify if there's something else going on at home that may have caused this to start, right? For sure, yes. Yeah. That's tremendous. So it's it's so exciting to see an, a faith based high school, a Catholic high school, opening up. You know, when you see all the schools, you know, around not all the schools, but a lot of schools around the country uh, challenged with enrollment, and yet you guys are opening, you know, a new venture here in the Lehigh Valley. Um, what will that faith based component look like in a recovery high school? Will it be different from other high schools, or will we have a lot of the same traditional mass and confession and other kinds of supports in the spiritual sense? So, so I would say um, there will be a lot of traditional. Um, components so mass the sacraments will be um, available we will and already do have a chaplain assigned which is exciting we'll have campus ministry um, and you know it will be woven throughout the day so it's really critical not just on the curriculum side and their spiritual development um, but it's also really crucial for the recovery so um, that's part of why Mars was the chosen provider uh, because they have a real strong faith component to their recovery uh, approach as well. But one of the really exciting things, Jim, is that we're building from the ground up. So along with those traditional kinds of things, we're going to be able to add our own twists and, and tweaks to it and really start our own traditions. So one of the things I'm really excited about is uh, we have written what we call the Colby Promise, and it's um, based on St. Maximilian Colby and some of the qualities uh, that are in his writing. And each morning we'll start the day after morning prayer, the entire community, not just the students, but the entire community reciting that uh, Colby promise that talks about determination and faith and love and things like that. And, and, you know, our hope is that it's going to be, you know, our pledge of allegiance where the kids are, it's going to be second nature to them after, you know, a couple of weeks where they'll say that every morning and we'll live that every day in our community. We'll also have some service opportunities and a service requirement. And uh, given our small size, we're going to be able to, to do some things that are different than a larger high school. So if we want to take the kids out to a program or if we want to do an all-school service project or an all-school retreat or field trip or something like that. They're all things that we're going to be able to weave into our schedule, which is exciting. You guys will be a little bit more nimble than the average Absolutely. high school. You can <laughs> pack everybody together and yeah. go for it. It's easier to tell yeah. three teachers, oh, we're changing our schedule than it is to tell 43 teachers. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll expect it too. It's It's got to be exciting to be part of this kind of an entrepreneurial environment, I would think. And, and there's uh, are there other partners around the Valley uh, besides the ones that you've mentioned that have kind reached out and said, hey, we want to be a part of this or other different partnerships that you're forming now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had so many wonderful conversations with so many different groups. You know, when when we sit down, the first thing, you know, we've looked at is, okay, who do we want to be involved with? Who believes what we believe? Who understands our mission? Who understands that we're Catholic and, and we follow, you know, what the tenets of the church are? But we have talked, obviously, throughout the diocese with with uh, principals and and pastors, um, but we've had conversations with um, the Kiwanis and and Rotary and and obviously Knights of Columbus. We've we've sat down with the two big hospitals here in, in the Lehigh Valley and talked about you know what we can do for each other. Uh, we've met with the Y. In fact, we're going to the Y. They've opened up their their facility to us and say you know we want to share this with your students. 
And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we had a business breakfast, a business leaders breakfast. We had almost 80 people from all different ventures in the Lehigh Valley um, to talk about who we are and what we're doing. And hey, do you know about our tax credit program here in in in, in Pennsylvania? Exactly, right. Um, because we want to be able to have that kind of support as well. Yeah, I think one of the other unique partnerships is the relationship with the counties. Um, so in working with both um, Northampton and Lehigh County, um, we actually have direct support from uh, drug and alcohol uh, at the county level and at the state level. So it's a really unique opportunity that you don't typically see the Catholic Church connected necessarily with the government entities. Yet in this case, at our state level, our Secretary for Drug and Alcohol, Jennifer Smith, is 100% supportive of this initiative and is even helping to direct funding towards us. Um, so our, our local counties are actually the ones that are going to be providing um, the funding to support Mars to be within our school. Um, so there's some really unique um, out-of-the-box um, partnerships that are happening because they just know that we need to do something different, um, and, and this is an opportunity. That's great. And and with um, with that also, you know, you think about uh, financial support for families. Have you begun to raise money for scholarships to try to make this affordable for families that are seeking it? Absolutely. We've been really blessed with... Um, some major donors that have given us some seed money to get started and do what we've done so far. Uh, we're actively in the community looking at other resources. We've spoken with one or two people that would like to set up a scholarship uh, in the name of, of a loved one who has has died from an overdose. And, uh, you know, our board is charged with, you know, helping us to raise the funding that will allow families that can't afford the tuition or to make up the difference between the tuition and the cost to educate. We have uh, really a passionate board of 13 or 14 members that fully embrace our mission and understanding of what they need to do as as board members. That's terrific. And and I think you were telling me before you've even received phone calls and support from outside the diocese, right? I mean, you guys have been on media around the country and on the internet and Tell me a little bit about that. What's that like? Well, it's interesting, you know, um, in realizing we're the first Catholic recovery high school nationally, um, we have, we've had other dioceses reach out to us to ask us about what we're doing, um, to be able to share about the model, uh, knowing that this is a national issue, um, and we're definitely in a crisis right now because of opioids. So it's, it's been a pleasure to be able to share with them our journey and um, the resources and the data and the research and the community connections that we've mobilized to be able to help this be successful so that they can, in essence, take that same approach if that's something that they find a need for in their local community. So it's really been um, pretty energizing to be a part of. I'll bet. So, John and Brooke, if someone wanted to get involved with Colby Academy, whether they're here uh, in the diocese or even outside the diocese, how would they get involved and do you need the help? We absolutely need the help, Jim. <laughs> Let me say that again. We absolutely need the help, Jim. Um, yes, we have been really blessed with so many people, as I've already said, coming forward and asking how they can help. We've had the major donors. Uh, but we do still need the help because what we're doing, you know, is so grassroots. There's still so much more that needs to be done. So they can contact us directly. They can go to our website, uh, colby-academy.com. There is a giving page there. They can click right on the button and make an online gift. They can reach out to Brooke or I. Um, they can email me at principal at colby-academy.com. They can go to our social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. There's always things happening on there. Um, we, we have have an Amazon wish list um, that has been really uh, tremendous. So many people have come forward, but there's still a lot on that wish list that we need for the school. Good. They can go and click on that link and go right to Amazon. It comes directly to us. Yeah. And and 
obviously we need the prayers. We need the prayers on the intercession of St. Maximilian and our Blessed Mother to continue uh, providing us with the strength and the energy and, and the context that we've already made uh, so that this can be a huge success. It's got to be exciting to be in this kind of an entrepreneurial startup environment. What is what is that like on a daily basis? You know, you're you're not quite in the high school, but you're forming this high school. You're gonna when when do you move into the school? Uh, we get in July first, yeah. and I I would say by the first week of August we'll be settled. Okay. Um, it's weird for me. This is my thirtieth year in education, so yeah. it's my first year in education that I haven't been in a school setting. <laughs> so there's days when I'm here in the office of Ed where I'm like gosh, I wish I could just go into the cafeteria and talk to the kids, or, or I wish I could go in and observe a science lab. So that part is different, you know, and, and I'm really craving that again. And uh, I'm planning to teach next year, so to be back in the classroom, that'll be fun. Um, but it's, it's shown me, I mean, you know, as somebody that's been in a school, Brooke has been in the office of Ed for a couple of years now. Um, it showed me a different side of how things run, and it's really kind of interesting. Um you know, I'm, I just turned 51, so I think this was the time to do it. If I was going to try something crazy, this is the time to do it. <laughs> and it's not crazy in the sense of, you know, that we're, we don't know what we're doing, but it's just so different from what I've done professionally. Um, but I keep saying we're building a school. Who gets that opportunity? That right? is so exciting. Exactly. And there's some days where I wake up and say, Oh my God, we're building a school. <laughs> but the majority of the days are, oh my God, we're building a school, right. you know? So, um, it, every day is different. I love that. You know, some days I'm talking with donors. Some days I'm meeting with potential teachers. Uh, you know, today I'm at a recovery event. Um, we're doing lots of in-service and professional development. And some days it's just sitting at the computer and writing the student handbook or going through the website and checking for grammatical errors and, um, or, or, or doing whatever, you know. So that's that part has been really fun. I love the variety. Well, I can just tell from your energy and excitement that uh, this is going to be a big success, John. And, oh, uh, thanks. I hope so. <laughs> Brooke, you obviously got the right guy to lead this charge. I, I have no doubt, 100%. You know, the entrepreneurial spirit is really the Holy Spirit um, hmm. guiding us. It's just, it's such a blessing, uh, definitely overwhelming, but in stopping and knowing and having faith that, it, that he is guiding us, um, 100% is just an honor to be a part of. Um, so regardless of um, some of the challenges and the the support we still need. We are just so thrilled to be a part of this. Well, that's fantastic. And, and I, I hope to uh, maybe check in with you guys maybe in a few months and see how things are going. And uh, That would be great. We, we wish you, love that. We wish you uh, all the best and all the success. And we'll make sure that on the podcast notes on the website, we'll have links and everything to Colby Academy. So if anybody wants to get more involved with the school, they can reach out to you directly. That would be great. Thanks so much for Thank doing you. that. John, Brooke, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Thank Jim. You. God bless. Thank you. I want to thank John and Brooke for taking some time with us today. I am so impressed by their work and the dedication they have for this mission. I have a feeling that this is going to be the beginning of a great success story, and we'll be sure to check back in with them in the future to see how things are developing. And now we're going to take a moment to spotlight one of our talented staff members at Changing Our World. Today we interview Yasmeen Hicks, who is a director for Changing Our World. Yasmeen has a wonderful story to tell about her formation in her education and how an internship got her a job at Changing Our World. Here's Yasmeen. 
So we're here today with Yasmeen Hicks, who's a director for Changing Our World. Yasmeen, great to great to meet you, actually. Yes, nice to meet you too, Jim. I feel like we've worked together for a while, and yet this is the first time we're meeting face-to-face here in New York. Yes, yes, the joys of consulting, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yasmeen, tell me a little bit about your educational background. Um, sure. So I'm a graduate of St. John's University um, in Queens. I majored in business management. And so pretty broad, pretty general, but I knew that whatever I wanted to do, something just in the business business world, mm-hmm. especially going to school in New York, the business capital of the world. And, you know, as I went through my studies, I started to realize the business world can be pretty cutthroat, for mm. lack of better words. And I knew that I wanted to work for a company that gave back in some way, shape, or form. And so that's where Changing Our World came into play. Um, prior to that, I interned with a hospitality company and, you know, really just sort of affirmed that want to give back to make the life experience of others enjoyable. And so my journey with Changing Our World started in 2016. Um, and I like to describe my internship as, you know, my sponge where I, you know, got to know about a lot of our unique clients at Changing Our World and work on them in various capacities by researching and, you know, ensuring that deliverables were great and good to go. Um, and July of 2017, I officially signed on full-time as an associate director, and my first major account was with the Diocese of Albany in helping them to raise $45 million. Wow, big goal. Big, big goal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're doing a great, great job, and since then, I've worked on parish campaigns, high school accounts, um, parish accounts. I mean, really just getting a nice sense of, you know, a lot of what the firm does and giving back my ultimate goal. So, Well, I think our CEO is also a St. John's University yes, grad. Yes, he is. Brian started as an intern and became CEO. So, I mean, Look that's at that. a lot of promise there. <laughs> no pressure, Yasmin. No. no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no, that's terrific. Yeah. That's great. So, what, what, do you, what do you love about the work? Sure. Um, I think when I go home at night, I feel good about what I do. I'm able to rest my head and knowing that what I'm doing is great work. It's helping to transform communities, you know, delivering bad news or news that is hard to hear sometimes, but knowing that it's all honest work um, is something that is just greatly enjoyable. And working with such a variety of constituents, I mean, students and, um, you know, just priestly orders. Um, My work has even taken me across seas to Italy and, you know, working with different, I guess, cultures as well is just so exciting, Jim. <laughs> uh, it, it is, isn't it? And I, uh, no two days are the same, are they? Exactly and, right. But, you know, I have to say the foundations of fundraising, it's all the same, whether with a, you know, a faith-based account or an education account or um, it's really all the same at the end of the day, though it's different. And that's very comforting as well to know that if you know the roots, you know, you, you kind of know your way around just a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, so you've worked on a lot of, it sounds like a lot of is it Catholic-based clients that you've worked with? Or sure, Catholic-based, yeah. um, but I would say faith-based as well. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. As not all of the clients have been Catholic, sure. the majority yeah. of which certainly have. Uh, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. And uh, your own uh, personal background, where are you from? Sure, I'm from Georgia, so ah, from the South. Nice. Yes, yes, and I came to New York for school. I wanted that business capital, uh, you know, feel, but I am a Southern mm-hmm. girl at heart. Oh, yes. that's cool. What part, again, of Georgia? Decatur, Decatur. So that's Southeast um, of Atlanta, but Southeast Georgia. Nice. So my mother was born in Athens, Georgia. Oh, nice, nice. Go dogs. You know, UGA is that's based right. there. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yasmin, it's been great to have you on the program today. Uh, thank you so much for all your wonderful work. Great to meet you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. 
I'm so glad that Yasmin could be on our show today. She's a very impressive young woman with a bright future, and she's doing fantastic work for us at changing our world. And now we return to Colby Academy. While I was in the Diocese of Allentown, I had the opportunity to meet with Bishop Schlert, who is the bishop for the Diocese of Allentown. I personally had the great honor of working for the bishop when he was the vicar general in the diocese for many years. Bishop Schlert and I met in his office at the Chancery, where he had a few thoughts to share on Colby and his focus for the Diocese of Allentown. Here's Bishop Schlert. Bishop Schlert, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you here with us. Thank you, Jim. Nice to be with you. So we spent some time talking with Dr. Tesh and John Petrozelli uh, extensively about this new high school. Would you please share with us from your perspective why this uh, new ministry is so important to the Diocese of Allentown? Well, sure. First of all, um, I think that this this work of uh, Recovery High School is uh, something that is very, very important uh, in the ministry of the church, because um, in our area, just as in many areas, we we do have a, a very deep problem with um, opioid use and addiction, and uh, so I I think that this fills uh, in our local region uh, a very strong need that doesn't exist right now. It doesn't exist uh, on any level, on a faith based level or uh, on a on a public level. So we're very excited, and we see it as uh, a new way for us uh, to offer to those in need. Um, at the right time, the, the ministries of the church, um, and it shows that we can be creative in, in identifying needs in the community, not just the Catholic community, but uh, throughout the community, and, and uh, step up and be of service to them, in, all in the name of Christ. And when I, I was watching the, the video of the press conference with you and Dr. Tesh, uh, and you, you made a great comment. You said that we're doing this in the diocese not because the students who come here are Catholic, but because we are Catholic. That seems to be a big focus for a lot of the uh, publications and stuff in the diocese. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Well, uh, I always use it as a means to recall what our mission is as a church. And uh, the things we do we do uh, in a way that is uniquely Catholic. So there are many things that that we do uh, with with healthcare or with education or with social services that uh, certainly are being done in other areas as well too, in the public sector and other private sectors. But we can do them in a uniquely Catholic way with a uniquely Catholic formation and a uniquely Catholic outreach. And I think that's important for us as a church to um, use the gifts that have been given to us in our people to be able to go out and to, to serve, uh, again, not counting uh, who might be members of our flock, but is there a need? And if there's a need, we will serve them. Bishop, you're, uh, you and all the other bishops are coming off of the USCCB last week. Uh, what were your impress- impressions of the, of the convocation, and, and how will you think that will impact the faithful? Well, I've only been going to these meetings for uh, almost two years now, sure. and uh, so I've only had a few of these meetings. But uh, the thing that struck me uh, was that the Holy Spirit, I believe, was definitely at work because the bishops had such unanimity. The fact that we quickly came to um, an, an accord with um, with policies that uh, were agreed upon almost unanimously, I think it shows not only the um, preparatory work, the good work that was done um, by the the staff and the uh, the bishops that worked on the um, the issue in preparing it for us, but it showed the unanimity of the bishops as. Uh, um, 
really needing to uh, address this issue in a powerful way. And, uh, and I think their resolve in committing to this uh, is evident in the vote that was taken and uh, the swiftness with which the vote was taken too, without um, a great deal of laborious discussion. Bishop, obviously, um, taking care of youth and Catholic education is a big focus for you and your ministry. Uh, I know you're a relatively new bishop, but certainly not new t- to the view from the chancery, having been vicar general for a couple of decades. What uh, What's new for the Diocese of Allentown in the coming years? Well, we really have to focus, uh, as so many people are saying now, it's, it's nothing novel, but we have to focus on... Um, the millennial and the next generation after the millennials, uh, the the so-called nuns, the N-O-N-E-S um, uh, nuns who are uh, so prevalent now in our country and um, who are leaving the church and really are not taking up any other uh, faith. So to try to uh, win them back, to try to um, develop uh, a way for the church to reach out to them. I, I recently established a, a commission for young adults in the diocese uh, as an advisory group, uh, and and I believe that pretty soon their work is going to start to bear fruit. Uh, they're very committed young Catholics who uh, are, are are very hopeful and give me a lot of hope too, because uh, I, I believe that the generations that we consider nuns, uh, those who uh, perhaps have left the church, I do think um, they leave perhaps more apathetic than for good reason. And I think if we can evangelize them and uh, give them all of the aspects of the truth of the faith and show them that it is sacrificial to be Catholic, I think they, they would... Um, they would embrace it because one thing we know about millennials is that they they will sacrifice uh, if the cause is right. They have to believe in it. So I think that's the first thing we have to do is to help them believe in that cause. And um, I do think there are are, uh, way back uh, to the future uh, in, in the sense that we need them in the pews on Sunday mornings, not Absolutely. at the not at the gym. Sure, yeah, the gym mm-hmm. is a good place to go, but right. Sunday morning, <laughs> I, I'd like to see our parking lot in the in the church as full as the gym. Absolutely. <laughs> well, as th- with three uh, teenagers of my own at home, I'm excited to hear you say that. That's <laughs> that's great. Well, Bishop, uh, it's great to be with you here. Um, on a personal note, it's exciting to be an aspirant in the diaconate program yep. here in the Diocese of Allentown, and uh, it's great to see you again today. So thank you for being on the show. It's great to have the time with you again, Jim. Thanks. Thanks. God bless. Thanks. I want to thank all of our guests for being on our show this week, Dr. Brooke Tesh, John Petrozelli, Bishop Alfred Schlert, and of course, Yasmeen Hicks. Next week, Brian Crimmins will be back on the podcast and will be traveling to his home diocese, the Diocese of Rockville Center, where we'll have the chance to interview Bishop John Barris, as well as the executive director for the new Catholic Foundation of Long Island, Mr. Mark Ackerman. And this is a treat, folks, the legendary CEO and world-class business icon, Mr. Larry Bossidy, will be joining us on the program. You don't want to miss this one. I hope you'll join us. Well, that's our show this week. Special thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team of Mackenzie O'Connor, Colleen Burdick, Sebastian Shaw, Jean Ann Montagna, and Pottery Studios. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. 
Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Take care and God bless.